Proverbs 18, and we'll be starting today in uh, verse 1. We're going to be taking a break again today from the book of Romans to focus once again on uh, being a caring community, which of course is our focus this whole year. Uh, I'll be in Haiti for the next two Sundays, and so I'm not violating what we're going to be talking today, which talks about not separating yourself. I'll be with them, but not with you, and Eric will be manning the pulpit as in the way he usually does with great power and love. That's low for you. So thank you, Eric. And um, we're going to be tag-teaming then as we gear up to the 40 days of love that will start on March 13th. I'll be focusing on that kind of subject today. Eric will be doing the same thing the next two Sundays. And then before we launch on March 13th, I'll kind of wrap it up the week before, the first Sunday in March. And most of you know that we're taking three years as a church to focus on our three highest values in order to implement our vision at a congregational level and at a personal level. Last year, of course, was growing intimacy with God. And we got the rubber on the road and made it happen in all sorts of ways. This year is being a caring community, and we're doing the same thing. Next year, we'll, fo- we'll focus on going passionately. So over a three-year period, we'll have taken three huge strides in the direction of accomplishing the vision that God has given us as a church. And uh, what we'll be doing for six weeks, starting in March 13th, as I said, will be really the heart and soul of this year of the caring community. Really, what we'll be doing is at the heart and soul of being a caring community in the first place. The opposite looks like what you see on the screens. Have you ever felt like that? What's the problem? What's his problem? Well, maybe part of it is this. You can become your own worst enemy when you're all alone. So many people these days are so alone. You know, we've never been so wired. We've never been so connected as a society. What with text messaging and Facebook and Twitter and chatter and whatever else is out there. And uh, yet it can all be so distant, so really so virtual, not real. Maybe it's telling that we call it virtual. So distance, so vicarious. You know, they say 90% of communication is what? Body language. Only 10% is verbal. And so when we relate on a virtual level, we're missing out on 90% of communication. The kind of sharing of persons that happens best when, we're, when it's real, when it's face to face. So it's so easy to stay safely, you know, in isolation in, one of, in front of one kind of screen or another. Some cheap counterfeit, really, for real relationship. And it's so easy to be deceived here. Kind of like Paul Simon used to sing. I remember the sounds of silence. That was kind of going through my mind this week. He said, then in the naked night I saw 10,000 people, maybe more, people talking without speaking. I mean, really connecting. People hearing without listening. People writing songs that never, they never shared. No one dared disturb the sounds of silence. There's a whole lot of chatter going on, but silence sometimes when it comes to real relationships. 
Edward Dayton wrote this in a book that he called Whatever Happened to Commitment. I believe that a great deal of the powerlessness we experience as individual Christians is due to our failure to understand that the beginning point of the Christian life is found in an organic relationship to a local fellowship. The Bible assumes it. An adequate Christian life, he says, demands it. Question, do you have an organic relationship with a local Christian fellowship if you're visiting? If this is your body, do you have an organic, intertwined, intimately relationship with uh, people in this fellowship? A high percentage of you are involved in small groups already, and you've got it, and that's great. Probably a higher percentage in our church than the national norm. And yet, uh, many of you aren't. And we're going to see today that without an organic relationship with a local Christian fellowship, it is so easy to become your own worst enemy. Easy for all of us. It's just like it says in our verse for today, uh, Proverbs 18, again, verse 1, He who separates himself seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. The best translation is the New American Standard, so that's what I'm going from. He who separates himself seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. So why do we become our own worst enemies when we're alone? And what can we do about it? Well, today we're going to unpack the two simple but powerful lines of this verse, a verse that applies to almost anyone. First line, he who separates himself seeks his own desire. Now, this is the same Hebrew word that's translated separate elsewhere, and it just means in the Bible, and it means just being distant for whatever reason. Keeping your distance as a way of life. And what he's saying here is that doing that kind of thing is very often for very selfish reasons. He who separates himself seeks his own desire. His own desire, not others. And just what desire is that? Well, I guess we're supposed to fill in the blank here. So let's do. What desire tends to uh, drive you to separate yourself? We all have it. I do. Several. What might it be? Well, maybe it's the desire to veg out in front of the TV rather than go to some small group, you know, that will pull you away from the TV. Or maybe it's the desire to read, as in so many books, so little time. Or maybe you're letting uh, your kids' desires control your life, what with sports and all the rest, and there's no time to develop real relationships. What kind of example is that to them? Or maybe it's the great outdoors where you separate yourself. You fill in the blank. Perhaps it's the desire to protect yourself. Maybe that's what's controlling your life. You've been burnt by other people. By parents, by friends, even by Christians, even maybe by a small group where that's the last thing that's supposed to happen. And you've said never again. And you wonder in the end why there's a cloud over your life. How do we seek our own desires by separating ourselves? Well, we do it in a lot of ways. I mentioned last week the Relationship Principles of Jesus by Tom uh, Holliday. And he tells us what it means in a lot of ways. And again, what we're going to be doing starting March 13th is for six weeks, we're going to be focusing on learning six 
powerful relationship principles of Jesus. Very simple, but very powerful. And we'll be breaking up into small groups to do it once, once a week for six weeks. There will be a DVD in the small group, a powerful message by Rick Warren. There will be a discussion of what you've read during the week. And then I'll focus on it from the pulpit for each of six weeks. And um, it'll be kind of like 90 Days Through the Bible, which we did last year when we focused on growing intimacy, except it'll be easy by comparison, right? For those of you who just half that time, 45, and you're not, you're not going to read 11 chapters a day in the Bible. You're done with that, right? Just a few pages in this. And uh, um, God, I think, is going to use it powerfully. Bottom line, well, for 40 days, we'll enjoy the opposite of separating ourselves. Again, Tom Holliday, who wrote the book we're reading, is all over what it means to love and what keeps us from loving. He's all over what we're talking about today, about separating ourselves. In fact, he's devoted a whole chapter to it, chapter 2, called The Attraction of Lesser Things. The Attraction of Lesser Things. He talks about how relationships are more important than money which often causes us to separate ourselves in order to get it. Relationships are more important than tasks. Relationships are more important than any lesser things. And yet so often, lesser things overwhelm greater things, don't they? And the greatest is love. We've got that on good authority. So how about giving just 40 days to the greatest thing of all? You'll have to carve out time, and what that will mean is this, in light of our verse for today. You'll probably have to turn away from seeking some lesser thing, right? To make time for it. From seeking your own desire in one way or another. Tom Holliday's lesser thing was the task at hand. He's a very or, uh, task-oriented person, and he used to devour books about how to get more done in less time, you know. And he said God used one of those books to get his attention in the area of relationships at a very formative time in his ministry. He was reading on for the next tidbit uh, about how to get more done in a certain book, and he said God ambushed me out of a book on tasks. The whole thing at the core was on relationships. And he said two sentences jumped out and struck my heart like lightning. They are these. God does not demand of me that I accomplish great things. Anything like he demands of me that I strive for excellence in my relationships. It's a book by Ted Ingstrom. Wow, Tom writes. I remember these words because I copied them onto my three by five card and taped the card to the inside of my briefcase for years and years until the card became yellowed with age and curled at the edges, it was the first thing I saw when I opened my case to get to work. It was a statement that put the fear of God in me. When I first read it, I realized how easy it would be to miss God's priority in my life, going after the task and forsaking excellence in relationships. I deeply wanted to do God's will, but God's will is, was often defined back then and today, he was a pastor, as build a bigger church, establish a strategic plan and make it happen so you grow, be in more significant ministry, accomplish greater tasks. These two sentences reminded me that it would be the easiest thing in the world to chase after accomplishments my entire life and yet be left not with excellent, but with mediocre relationships. The greatest thing is love. He who separates himself 
is the opposite of love. Seeks his own selfish desire. So what's the desire you're going to have to turn from to get connected for six weeks? And, as we move to the next line, he quarrels against all sound wisdom. Proverbs are so punchy and powerful, aren't they? They get to the heart of the matter. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. There's a lot of reasons why it's not very smart to keep your distance. Why it quarrels against all sound wisdom to separate ourselves from meaningful relationships with with other people. But the overall idea here is this. Uh, It's back in line one, and that is when you do, whether you know it or not, more often than not, it's selfish. And this, he goes on to say, is sheer folly. It, it, it's to quarrel against all sound wisdom. It's just not healthy for us to get wrapped up in ourselves. Pearl Buck wrote this to her daughters, the person who tries to live alone will not succeed as a human being. The heart withers if it does not answer another heart. The mind shrinks away if it hears only the echoes of its own thoughts and finds no other inspiration. A life, look at the picture, will darken to a fatal shade. It quarrels against all sound wisdom to separate ourselves in that, in many ways, but sound wisdom is found with other people, right? And so to separate yourself from them is to turn back, turn your back on an invaluable source of counsel, is to reject it out of hand without even hearing it. But Solomon says, in a multitude of counselors, there is what? Victory. It quarrels against all sound wisdom because two is better than one. Like Solomon said in Ecclesiastes. And he goes on to say three is best. That is, small groups are best. Three or more people. Small groups are in the Bible. Listen, two are better than one. And this is all about relationships. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. We need one another, if not any for anything more than an insurance policy for the day when problems will come. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Maybe you know what that's like. And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. And then he concludes, a cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. That is the beginning of a group, a small group. Why is it quarreling against all sound wisdom to separate ourselves? Many reasons. Many researchers argue that the key to dealing with the stresses of life is a strong network of family and friendships. With broken ties or non-existent ties, there's an increase in the incidence of heart disease, of strokes, hypertension, migraine and tension headaches, rashes, ulcers, and even infectious diseases. And there's a lesser incidence among those who share their frustrations with others who share their stresses, their loneliness, all the anxieties of everyday life that I guarantee you, and you don't need to be told this, do come. And you will notice a difference after just 40 days. A while back, 33 research scientists invested the relationship between commitment to relationships and human development. That is growth. They titled the report they ended up writing, Hardwired to Connect. 
hardwired to connect. Their research showed that we are biologically wired to find meaning and support in relationships. So the overall idea in Proverbs 18 is that separating yourself is not a very smart way to live. It's to quarrel against all sound uh, wisdom. Because relationships ultimately are supposed to be like this laboratory for love that you can live on. A greenhouse for growth through which he grows and matures personalities through eternity. Especially these days, without an organic relationship with a healthy fellowship, it is so easy in so many ways for so many different good reasons to become our own worst enemy. Chuck Colson wrote this, By abandoning commitment to one another, our narcissistic culture has lost the one thing it seeks, happiness. Without commitment, our lives will be barren and stale. Our lives will lack meaning and purpose. But with it comes the flourishing of our hearts. It's the paradox Jesus so often shared when he bid us to come and die that we might truly live. Come and die to selfish desires that we might truly live together. It's what the church is all about. It's supposed to be, you know, a little bit more than just this talking head with ears glued on all over the head, right? That's grotesque. But that's what some churches are like. If all you're hearing is a monologue on Sunday morning, you're missing out on this great conversation that um, comes when, uh, when, when we really share our lives. This is virtual relationship. Because you see, the church is not about the monologue that we call preaching. It's about the dialogue that we call love. The dialogue of iron sharpening iron, of the truth spoken in love. It's about the mutual uh, encouragement, as Paul says in Philippians 3, that we can have in Christ the fellowship of the Spirit, the affection, the compassion that comes when we share our lives with uh, each other. It's the opposite, (laughs) back to the beginning, of the sound of silence. It's a great conversation, the body of Christ, that can result in great transformation. So, after this service, why not take a simple step in that direction? It's not a long trek to the welcome table where you can sign up to participate or to be a host family, a host couple for our 40 days of love. Our time is up. Why don't we pray together? Father, I do want to thank you that you love us enough to make it very clear in no uncertain terms, in a way that's memorable and deep, that he who separates himself seeks his own desire and quarrels against all sound wisdom. Thank you that you've provided the church, brothers and sisters, the very body of Christ to incarnate your love through. Help us to avail ourselves of that kind of love like never before so that we can become at ever deeper levels and ever broader a caring community. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, why don't we all stand? Now go into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. 
honor all men. Strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the suffering, and share the gospel. Love and serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be through us to one another and towards outsiders this week. Amen and amen. Thanks for coming. See you next week, hopefully sooner. So saw you with your own